you protect what you love. Hunting is a life, not a lifestyle, it's a life. This is Hunters to show people how great of a job we're doing for conservation, providing for ourselves all the things you and I understand. I think you kind of owe it to the animal that you're hunting to be as prepared as possible. You know, as I get older, I appreciate the laughs and the time and the experience. Well, guys, welcome to the Speak the Language podcast. Uh, this is a very exciting episode this week for me. We are joined with Jason Chaffetz. Thank you, sir, for coming on the show. I know that you've uh, got a pretty busy schedule, uh, so thank you for giving us your time. Oh, hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. So you're at, you're in uh, New York right now, is that right? Oh, man, the jungles of New York, having to wear a tie, it's the worst. But yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I have this relationship with Fox News and and they require a tie. So I come up here eh, about twice a month. Most of it I do out of Utah, but yeah, I'm in the jungles of New York City. I was about to say, you know, for, you know, I follow you on social media and stuff, and I can imagine, you know, like you're saying, a, a concrete jungle is probably not somewhere that you would prefer to be, but if that's what we're calls you. It's the most dangerous part of the country right here in the big city, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Uh, well, look, um, I definitely want, you know, you have some insight on some stuff that I definitely want to talk about and the kind of things that we get asked about on, you know, one of the things we do on our podcast is we always ask for folks to send in questions and stuff that they're inquisitive about. Um, and we get a lot of, you know, public lands questions. We get a lot of um, questions or not. A, we've had some questions lately about uh, CRP and that sort of thing. But before we dive into all that, uh, a more more fun topic for me and something that that people always like hearing on this show when we have guests on is uh i like hearing people's backgrounds how they got started hunting you know because if you're most of the people everyone we've had on this show so far has a passion for the outdoors a passion for the lifestyle a passion for wildlife and conservation and all that so how did you get started hunting in the first place well you know i grew up in california arizona colorado nevada i was out west um, and, uh, quite frankly, my, my parents weren't into it. I never really had an experience, uh, uh, with hunting. I shot some guns a little bit. I went to camp, you know, that sort of thing, but right. nothing too serious. It's not like we had weapons in the house or, or that we went out and did target shooting or anything like that. Yeah. It was really later on in life when I, when I got into college, um, and there he was living in Utah, you know, about 70% of our land in Utah is, is public. And I just. I've always had an affinity for animals and wildlife and yeah. I spent a summer up in Montana and, uh, I went up there and that's where I really got into fishing. Um, my great uncle Joe up there on the Madison, uh, river up near Quake Lake, mm-hmm. I went up there for two months and he said, just bring some boots. And when I got there, they took some shag carpet, they cut it out, they slapped it on the bottom of my of my boots and suddenly he taught me how to fly fish <laughs> and that and that's how he did it and he just put me out there in my jeans and my boots with this shag carpet and just you know really just fell in love with nature and and later in life what i i came to realize is the best conservationists the ones who cared what i cared about protecting uh our beauty and our land making sure that we have healthy elk herds and moose and you know we got a lot of moose out west and um, you know, things that I just adored and thought were great. It was the hunting community that did a lot more than anybody else. Yeah. And that really, it was like a, it was like a paradigm shift for me. I had to really think that through. It didn't make sense at the, at first, 
But then I came to realize, gosh, you know, I love seeing these elk. And I like taking my kids out to see them. But it was the hunting community that was the one that were making sure that we had big, healthy herds. Yeah, making sure that so, they stayed around. And then, uh, you know what, I went out with some guys and we started to go coyote hunting. And <laughs> that was that is such a kick in the pants. Again, out west, you can get 50 bucks for a uh, a coyote jaw, and that is, that is a rush. It's yeah. fun, yeah. and there's too many coyotes. And you feel like you're doing the world a good service when you take out a coyote. You are. <laughs> you're doing, yeah, you're doing your, uh, your deer herds a favor most of the time. That's right. Uh, but I guess what I've done more than anything else is uh, I like duck hunting. You know, we got on the Great Salt Lake up in other Utah. Um, it's freezing cold. You're laying out there in those coffins uh, and calling in the ducks, and that, that is so fun. I did that this uh, this past winter, and, boy, I just I really had the time of my life. Just loved it. You get your limit pretty quick, but uh, that's because there's lots of ducks, but I really enjoyed that. Yeah, well, that's what we, we were talking about, you know, earlier. If you're going to get the opportunity to come and hunt with us this fall, some cottonmouth, you know, uh, I grew up hunting in central Mississippi, and central Mississippi is not known for its waterfowl, right? That's if you right. want waterfowl in Mississippi, you've got to go, you know, the best part of it, you've got to go to the west side of it because that's where the river is, the Mississippi River Flyway. And, um, and cottonmouth is like, where dreams are made of in terms of waterfowl especially like la- last season man was uh i was telling somebody the other day i had never because i grew up hunting all my until i started working at primos all the waterfowl hunting that i'd ever done had been on public land so uh and i never understood the term i said that someone always talked about waiting and picking out greenheads you know make you know you could kill you know, make sure you shot just your green heads and then kill two other ducks because in Mississippi you get four mallards and then two off ducks. And uh, until last season, I never understood what that meant until we had one hunt and there was so many mallards. I was like, I can legitimately wait and pick out green heads. <laughs> I had never done that before. If you, you know, the public land that we hunted on uh, had a good bit of hunting pressure on it and you just, you know, you had to hunt your opportunity. You know, the ducks that came in your decoys was the ducks that you shot at. It was a, so it was a very big very big shift from what i was used to yeah yeah well it's it's so fun and you know what i just i love the outdoors and so you know i served eight and a half years in congress uh been in politics for about 13 years 16 years in the local business community but when i want to get out clear my head uh i do a combination i like doing wildlife photography um but then i also love to get out and and go hunting even though i'm fairly new to it i just i love it and i just uh boy a, a calmness and a peace comes over me that i can't find anywhere else yeah yeah i definitely understand that i think that's what draws what's the to adrenaline it. rush <laughs> right? you got a coyote <laughs> calling back at you and start running in um that that's i i, I like the peacefulness being out in the snow and and then all of a sudden you hear the coyotes and then you get this adrenaline rush it's it's a great combination yeah oh man no doubt that's like a same thing you know when you have some ducks you know about to be cupped up falling into your decoys it'll make your heart skip a few beats <laughs> exactly yeah so how much did uh you know your affinity for wildlife and wild places and all that how much did that transfer over into your political career well, it's a huge part of it, you know, and I represented the 3rd Congressional District of Utah. You know, top to bottom, it's about a seven-hour drive, um, mostly public lands. 
and quite frankly, our voting base, the, the people that elected me to serve in Congress, uh, they love the outdoors. They're, they, you know, they work hard and they play hard. And, uh, you know, I hurt my foot. I had an injury years ago. And, and so I bought some ATVs and I just love getting out and, and, uh, seeing the, see the wilderness. And, and so that was a huge part. They wouldn't, in other words, I would not have been elected if I didn't understand this and right. kind of share some of their same concerns to try to find the right balance of making sure that, uh, you know, we have access to, to, to the hunting community. It's just, it's part of who we are out West. And it's really hard sometimes for people, particularly in the Northeast to understand it. Um, they just think they can't even comprehend how much land we have out West and, uh, how it's just a totally different dynamic than say Connecticut or New York. Right. Yeah. It doesn't, I mean, Utah's Utah has an extensive amount of public land, correct? We do. Like I said, about 70% of it. We're the 11th largest state geographically, uh, but when you combine the state and the federal land, um, it, it's uh, it's about 70%. And so most of our, you think of Utah, I think kind of think maybe the mountains and the rural, the Red Rocks, um, but we have our, our population is really condensed into Salt Lake City and what we call the Wasatch Front. But that's why we love living is because, you know, within a, you know, minutes you can get up american fort canyon you can get out into the west deserts and uh you can be out and alone you know half hour 45 minutes later yeah and that's man that's beautiful country out there i mean just absolutely beautiful like again i can remember the first time i got to see out west and not that i mean i love home i love where i live but if you know i think if you you owe it to yourself to see as much of the country as as you can and out west is just gorgeous and like just completely different from here you know the southeast is just just so different and it you you kind of it's one of those things that you know you can look at it in pictures but you have to see it for yourself to truly appreciate it for what it is in my mind oh yeah i like i got an antelope tag down for southern utah and it's so different when you see the red rocks and the desert um and uh it's just it's phenomenal and and, and the mountains i mean we kind of have it all out there we're a little bit spoiled the Sometimes we say, hey, we better not tell anybody else about it because we don't want everybody here. But you come out west and it's dry. We don't have the humidity. Um, so the, the cold's not as bitter and the yeah. hot's not as hot. Yeah. <laughs> You're like right now, it, it's so humid in Mississippi right now. I feel like you could scoop the air with a spoon. You know, we all, all of us, <laughs> all of us here at the office are already just dreaming about elk season because that means we get to go to that, that thinner, drier air and we won't have to sweat as much. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it, 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 it's true. And we got great elk herds. You know, we do mule deer out, out uh, our way. Um, bear hunt was up this year. We had more more bear, and so we had more more tags out. Antelope is really, I think that's a lot of fun. They're such beautiful animals, and you can get them in uh, really pretty close. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, it's a great hunting state, and we've, you know, really embraced that whole culture uh, uh, out west and, and certainly in Utah. Right. And one thing that I definitely wanted to ask you about, because I knew you would have some thoughts on it and you'd probably ha you'd have better insight on it than anyone that I could think of. And uh, again, it's something that we've had just a lot of people send in questions about is there's a lot going on right now with the public land, specifically in Utah, and a lot of things going on with um, Representative Mike Lee talking uh is putting some of that stuff. A lot of people are thinking that there's a threat to some of those public lands, so that getting 
sold from federal into state possession. Well, and you know what? I was part of I I helped cause part of that problem back then. I actually introduced a bill that would sell off some of the federal the excess federal lands, uh, particularly within the Bureau of Land Management. What happened was back in the Clinton administration, they did a study and they found that one percent of the land served no public purpose. Most of this land was near, say, an off-ramp of a freeway. Uh, it was a small par- uh, parcel, maybe 40 acres, that was enclosed by private property, right. things like that. And so I introduced the bill to sell it. Now, a lot of people in the hunting community and the other word, other places said, whoa, 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 and they kind of – so I pulled the bill. I pulled back from it and said, hey, like, until we can have a better dialogue and get on the same page, I'm actually trying to – I really do believe we got to make the most of our public lands and 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 maximize that. And if you aren't dealing with watershed and other some of these other critical issues, then you know I just didn't believe we should be buying private and making more public just for the sake of increasing the number of acres. Right. When we have millions and millions of acres, but we're not taking care of it. Right. And yeah. when you have to fight some of these other interests, particularly on the watershed issues then, you know, we're not finding the right balance. You know, I, I think for the hunting community, though, now that you have the Trump administration, I don't want to be too overtly political here, but right. Ryan Zinke, as a hunter and the uh, Secretary of the Interior, understands and knows this far better than than anybody uh, that we've had in that position for right. a long, long right. time. And, you know, Donald Trump Jr., I, all you have to do is check out his social media for a second. <laughs> yeah. You'll see yeah. He cares more about this than he does anything else. And so, you know, this administration has gone a long way. But you, passing bills out of Congress, that that's a tough thing. And and um, trying to find the right balance there. But that's that's what we're trying to do. Right. Yeah, and absolutely. And that's, I mean, um, and that's kind of like, again, that's why I wanted to bring you on here because I knew you would have insight on it. And so I kind of want to ask you questions kind of on – for the people that are, I think you have people freaking out at both ends of the spectrum. So what, what are your, what would you say to the group of people, uh, that are like, that are on the the end of, you know, Oh my goodness, they're trying to get rid of our public lands. We have to do something, you know, they're, they're trying to do, you know, what, what do you say to those people? Well, I, I don't think it's, I think in, t- in its totality, I don't think it's going, I think it's going to get better. I don't think it's going to get worse. Right, right. Um, uh, and, and I, I'm glad people are engaged. I'm glad they're paying attention right. because I do think we have the ability to find the right balance. I do believe, for instance, you can have energy development and mineral extraction. At the same time, you can have something vibrant that's going on for the hunting community. Right. Um, I don't believe that every bit of land, you know, has to ultimately end up being private or public. Uh, you got to find that right balance. You know, in Utah, it's really hard because our property taxes, when 70% of our land is on the private uh, or in the public sector, that puts a tremendous burden, say, in San Juan County. I'll give you an example. San right, Juan right. County is bigger than, is about the size of New Jersey. 92% of it is is public land um that means eight percent of that private property has the highest income or the property tax in the state and so we got to find the right balance there part of that is who's going to control it how are we going to do that you know the endangered species act for instance is something that i think a lot of people want to have reviewed um we want to protect certain species but the 
you know, things go on that endangered species list and they never seem to come off, you know? So that's right, where we right. start having discussions about, you know, bear hunts and, and things like that, that, you know, where a desert pupfish can get in the way of e- people even accessing or being able to develop energy, you know, that's something we ought to talk through. Right. And, you know, I try to take, especially a discussion like this, I, I try to take as much of a unbiased form as I can. So, you know, and especially, you know, like I listen to you because, you know, I've, you know, leaps and bounds more about Utah's public lands than I do. You know, I, you know, just, just the nature of what, you know, what you've done, you know, as a career. So, and to also, my, my question is, is I also have identified that there are some groups, you know, there, you know, and I obviously I'm pro, you know, all about keeping, protecting our public lands. You're about protecting our public lands. But there are some groups out there that take it to an extreme. You know, they're saying the, you know, um, and I'm not going to say anyone, you know, directly, but there are people that are like, hey, the government's trying to steal your public land away from you. They're trying to do this. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, let's step back maybe a little bit because I don't think they're, they're trying to do that. Let's see what they're trying to do. You know what I mean? Instead of just trying to freak everybody out. Well, you're right, because a lot of it is about control. I mean, um, I do believe in, in two things, and, and, and good people differ on this, but the wildlife management, I believe, should be run based on the state management plans. I think if you have some Washington, D.C. bureaucrat who's sitting up there saying, hey, you know what, in Nebraska, I know a lot better how to manage uh, what's going out there than you all do in Nebraska, or hey, Mississippi, uh, let us I mean, you got these people making these decisions. Many yeah. of them have never even been there before. Well, look at like the they, the uh, the the grizzly the grizzly bear hunting ban in Canada, where most of that vote was was taken by people that have never even seen a grizzly bear. You know, so it's like you know, how could you have a credible opinion on grizzly bears? You know, it's kind of the same principle. Now, yeah, not that I would advocate uh, hunting them per se, but we have wild horses out west and, and right. wild burros. If you don't manage them, guess what? They're going to devastate the land. They uh, they take an enormous amount of water. Yeah. And if you don't manage those wild horse and burrows, you destroy the pub- private property. You, you're devastating the public property. And, and many of these other species can't survive because the horses will come in in mass yeah. and just eat. eat a, so you got to manage that. So the principle I think that I, I subscribe to is, let those management plans come into place um, at the state level. We're dealing out with the wolf, right? The wolf right. issues out west are huge. Yeah. Well, let Wyoming and let uh, Oregon and let all these states come up with their own management plan. You take that closer to the people, you're going to have a better result. And we can find that right balance. And a lot of this discussion on the uh, who's going to manage the public lands, again, I think that ought to happen more at the state level. Right. People sometimes, I think, erroneously say, well, you're trying to get rid of my public lands. They say, no, I don't want some Washington, D.C. bureaucrat to try to do that. Right. I want to have the local control. And the last thing I'd mention, like, real quick is um, I don't think there should be a, quote, unquote, BLM police. You know, the Bureau of Land Management, particularly right. out west, you don't, you all don't deal with as much out, out east. But, no, we don't. Uh-uh. You know. We get a BLM police officer. It's like one officer for every one million acres. Well, that's impossible to deal with. Right. Let your local sheriff be the one. They're they're accountable. They're elected. They know the community better. 
but instead you get these yahoos in the forest service and and the the blm uh wearing a badge and I, it just doesn't work right what, what do you i mean and this is a i mean a strictly question out of not you know just the, something i'm ignorant to is is it possible that you could give um what you're talking about this power for, of of game management wildlife management on public lands could you is it possible to give them uh, the states that power without you know the risk of being able to sell those th- th- those lands being privatized is that possible to do yeah th- and that's yeah and that's what i was trying to do is to give put more legislation in place so that your local sheriff so for instance out west we deal with a uh, uh, people that maybe want to deface or, you know, uh, put graffiti on, on some of our our public land right. up on the Red Rocks and that sort of stuff. Well, I want the sheriff to be able to enforce that. Yeah. Um, I don't want the BLM uh, out west putting up game cameras, uh, essentially, you know, using Wi-Fi and whatnot so that they can spy on people that are going out and accessing public lands. I just – that's not the spirit of what we're trying to do here. Right. And so – more local control, more management, and let them deal with it. And if you have a problem or you have recourse, then you can go talk to your sheriff. Instead of the, the average person, they don't they don't have the ability to get up to Washington D.C. and then who are you going to meet with? And, right, you know, right. It's just it, it's just in principle wrong. Right. That makes see that makes absolute sense to me to make it to where it's more manageable, but not a threat there for them to become privatized. Because again, I I can see both sides. Uh, of the argument i could see why people are, are scared of their public lands you know i mean i can think about you know some of the first land that i hunted when i was little was public land if you told me that was going to get taken away i would i'd be heartbroken you know so i can understand the fear but that's again that's why we're doing this whole show in the first place to kind of bring an understanding to it all well again and, and so yeah i mean pick a state right any state that you're listening to this to but just for the sake of the argument let's say alabama or georgia right and you like to go hunt there and you like to fish and you want to go access those lands and let's say there's a problem um you know who are you going to call um i really think the best result is going to be with your local officials because they're going to understand it and if they're making yeah. wrong bone boneheaded decisions the people will gather around that community and they'll vote them out. They'll get rid of them. Right. But yeah. right now with so many feds making decisions, uh, you get bad results because these people haven't even been there and they don't care what you think because they just have quotas and numbers and, you know, cubicles or desk jockeys. Right. Yeah. Problem. Yeah. Is there anything like that on the horizon that, that, you know, is that, you know, that could come in the near future where you could give more management power to states, you know, like, like, like you're talking about? So part of what um, I think it was Congressman Rob Bishop and others are looking at, uh, he's the chairman of the Natural Resources Committee in the House of Representatives. He happens to be from Utah. Right. Um, he's working towards trying to reconfigure the whole um, Endangered Species Act. Yeah. Again, a, a place where animals go on, but they never seem to come off. Right. And then, again, more of a push to just make sure that we don't change the equation and have everything become federalized making sure that, you know, places like Alaska, well, every state has the ability to put its own management plan together and then be able to enforce it and execute on it. Right, right. Um, is there anything that, you know, the 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 citizen can do, the average guy that just hunts on public land? You know, you're talking about one of the things you said was, you know, about when you put the, the, bull, the, the bill back was you wanted to, you know, wait until we could have better dialogue. Is there anything that, 
you know, a, a, just a common U.S. citizen can do to make it easier to to better that dialogue to, you know, to, you know, forward what you're trying to do, what you were talking about? Well, look, for those of you that have the ability or the opportunity to meet with um, members of Congress, uh, more power to you. Bring this up and talk to them about it. I think the associations out there, most of them are really good. I, you know, I don't want to try to advocate for or against anybody out there in terms of the organization. Right. But you'll you'll have them out there and, and that are are focused on say hunting, um, and they do a really good job of taking their men, men, their membership. Remember, if you try to do twenty seven things with Congress, you're probably not going to get anything done. But if you're trying to do you know one or two things, maybe three things, those become doable. Yeah. And uh, it's the associations that know how to speak. It's like if you go to court, you better have an attorney, you know? Right, yeah, you, you, right. You, you, there's a whole different language there, but you need to empower those and support them. And, you know, take a little bit of, you know, it's like the NRA, right? right. Um, people support the NRA. Maybe they don't like the NRA, but, boy, they've got a powerful voice because they got membership that supports them, and they, they go and fight for their issue. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's 100%. Yeah, that's a good analogy, a good point of it. Well, um. Jason, I, again, I, I could talk to you about this kind of stuff for, for hours on hours. It's just, you know, what interests me, quite frankly. But um, you've answered. You well, know, let's, I, I would love to do that, but I don't want to be wearing a tie in New York City. So you find a place <laughs> yeah. in time where we can actually, uh, you know, be outdoors and do it. Let's do it. Let's try to do it that way next time. Well, again, like I said, cottonmouth, duck hunting, that seems to be something you like to do. We happen to have, you know, awesome duck hunting at cottonmouth. So we just need to make that happen. Oh, all right. Well, let me see when the next flight is. That'd be great. <laughs> oh man, look, thank you for your time again. I can't say that enough. I know you've got a lot going on. Um, bear down. I hope you can, you know, get out of the concrete jungle as quickly as you can and get back to what somewhere you find more enjoyable. But thank you for your time and thank you for your insight on all these questions and subjects. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you.